playing 18 to a full 60. Early leads to buzzer beaters. It all starts by getting on the board. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of On the Board Podcast. My name is Colby McKee. Across from me, it's Lance Dahl. 14 weeks. We did it. Yeah, 14. That's three and a half months. Oh, that's good math right there. On the spot math. Um, The voice you do not hear is Jesse Christensen. We do have a little bit of breaking news on Jesse. He, unfortunately, will not be part of the podcast for the foreseeable future. Yeah, well... Things change. You never yeah. know. Yeah, the microphone's always open for him, but uh, some things have come up in the family. All the best to him, but we're going to power on, uh, Lance and I. We're going to start with the NFL because, what, it's less than 24 hours until the NFL season kicks off it, for the 2019 it is. season? It's that close. Bears-Packers leads us off the 2019 season. That's a great matchup in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. Early pick on that one? Uh, for my fantasy team, Packers. <laughs> Me too, actually. You, we were <laughs> saying earlier, you, you have how many players on your Packer, Packers on your fantasy team? Uh, one league I have three, and then the other I have none. Okay. So You're cheering hard in one, though, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the main point of interest early this morning, Ezekiel Elliott, we've been talking about him for weeks now. Mm-hmm. He finally secured the bag. Six years, $90 million with $50 million guaranteed. Now the highest paid running back in the league, exactly what he wanted. Yeah. I mean, he should be happy. He should be, right? I haven't seen what he's looked like uh, since he came back. I don't know if he's even in shape. but <laughs> There was a Twitter video out there today of a backup offensive lineman who dressed in a Zeke jersey coming out to practice. <laughs> and I got fooled because I thought it was Zeke. He was chubby as hell. <laughs> he was rubbing the belly. Um, oh, but it was a backup offensive lineman. I have no idea what he looks like, other than when he was wearing that ridiculous hat in the uh, yeah. Dallas airport yeah. just the other day going into uh, into camp. So he signed his record deal. The Cowboys, Jerry Jones as an entire entity, do you think they screwed the pooch on this one? They no. completely caved yeah. and gave him exactly what he wanted. That could have been done a month, five weeks ago. Yeah, well, it's it's a negotiation. That's how negotiations work. It goes back and forth. You, just kind of how how things go. We can't expect that every single contract's going to go well. I didn't think it would get done already. I'm very surprised that it's already been done. You said that Melvin Gordon was going to be back before I Zeke. So. I, well, yeah. I, I said it with the caveat that the situation <laughs> between Melvin and Le'Veon Bell is way more similar than what Zeke's situation was. Zeke's was is different than than what Melvin Gordon's going through right now. Contract-wise, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and it looks like, I guess, a little update on Melvin Gordon. The GM has now cut off communication. They are not negotiating until the end of the season with Melvin Gordon. Right. So he has to decide, basically, he has to come back before week 10 for this year of his contract to be counted towards free agency, which is huge because otherwise he can't enter free agency next year like he mm-hmm. wants to. Mm-hmm. So there's, he could wait till week 10 and then just be on the bench for the rest of the season. Yeah. So those yeah. who drafted him, I mean, I don't know about your league, Lance, but mine, they were drafting him 9th, 10th, 11th. They were smart and they waited a long time on Melvin Gordon. Like ninth round, you mean? Ninth round. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say... Not ninth we, overall. No. Yeah, I was going to say, holy God, shit. No. Um, so I guess a lot of people are not expecting him back for this season, which means you got that combination of Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, however that pans out for the uh, right. Chargers backfield. Right. Yeah, I mean, that now it's just a coin flip. I know there was... I think there was more people taking Eckler in the leagues I were in or was in. Earlier, but, uh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, well, more so than, uh, than what's his name there, but... Yeah, I mean it, it's one of those things. It's just it's it's very. I'm surprised that the the Zeke deal is done already, but 
I guess when you know you have a good player, you try and get him done. And they figured something out, I guess, along he, the way. I don't know. We've mentioned that he is. He, they've built that offense around the running back, and Zeke's a big part of it. Yeah. Tony Pollard, we don't. We we will never know how he could have been <laughs> as a lead back. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, hopefully we don't have to see him because Zeke is better for the league and for the Cowboys if he's in there for sure. Oh, of course, but it's no different than Todd Gurley is better for the league and for the Rams, and Todd Gurley might not even be a starter by week five. Very true. I mean, he he might not even be a starter by week two. It, like, who knows? Yeah, because he took no preseason. He might not even be a starter week one. He took no... <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> like, how do you know, right? He took no preseason snaps, much as all the running backs in this league uh, did not play much preseason. I guess yeah. all the star players really limited down, almost taking that load management into the NFL early on this season. Yeah, that's why I'm still curious about Todd Gurley, like, there's part of me that thinks he can't be just washed up and done yet. Like, he just signed that deal. What was it before last season started? Yeah, 2018. He got his contract, and so it's like, like I get that he was very limited towards the end of last season in their playoff run. Like, he couldn't even do more than five touches, ten touches a game between in, the NF. Yeah, you're right. The NFC Championship game yeah. and the Super Bowl, a total of 14 carries yeah. for the one of the best backs in the game. And so it just shows that he was hurt. But I mean, over the course, like you really can't look into into how many snaps they did or didn't play in in the off season or sorry in the preseason because like like Saquon Barkley, I don't even know if he touched the ball all preseason, right? I don't think so, really either. So no. uh, his situation's interesting. Um, there's there's obviously a lot of curious spots and that's what you would expect on the eve of week one of the NFL season. You'd expect a lot of question marks still out there and that's usually how things go and no surprise that's exactly how things are going right now. Come Monday is going to be overreaction Monday. Uh, oh, as always, time. right? All the time. So I love it. We're going to get a lot of answers and overreactions come Monday. His uh, Rams teammate, Jared Goff, he also secured the bag yesterday. Yeah. Signed a four-year extension, $134 million, 110 of that guaranteed passes Carson Wentz for the most guaranteed money in NFL history. Yeah. We talked is, about quarterbacks and securing the bag for and that's how kind of how you build a team is through your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Rams are no different. They got a great one. Yep. Uh what's that mean for Dak now? Because Dak Prescott uh was previously looking at Carson Wentz money and trying to match the 30 plus million dollar a year that Carson Wentz got. Right. As a comparable. Now you got Jared Goff in the mix. It's just... It's what does so, that mean for him? And Leafs GM Kyle Dubas said this a lot yesterday. He did a bunch of, did a bunch of media and press stuff yesterday. And he was saying that with each player, negotiations are completely different. And comparing contracts from one to another, it's a start. But he, he mentioned almost the difference between bargaining tools that every player has and leverages. And when you... like I, I think he was speaking a lot of truth to that and that kind of cross sport because you look in the the case of the Rams and the Cowboys like the, if the Rams aren't believing in Todd Gurley which I don't know that they are I don't know if anyone is that would make sense for them to go and lock up Jared Goff with the amount of money they gave him and the term they gave him mm-hmm. now Dallas is a completely different situation I mean, Dallas, they just paid Zeke. They just fairly strongly committed and put their stamp on on Zeke. And I know that the lifespan, quote-unquote, of a running back is way different than it is of a quarterback. Yeah. But it's just it's very interesting because I don't know that the leverages and the bargaining chips that 
Dak Prescott has or anywhere even similar to what Jared Goff has. So I don't know that it necessarily changes things for either one at all. I guess you look at the pedigree of both Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, Goff being a number one pick, highly touted, Wentz being trade, uh, drafted up to number two. Uh, I think it was in the same draft. They might have gone one, two even. Um, so both highly regarded coming out of college. And then you got Prescott as a third round pick, kind of thrown to the wolves after Tony Romo goes out. And then he performs pretty great in his first rookie season. Yeah. And kind of a dud year two and kind of sputtering along. I, I We've talked about this before. I don't know if you or I think he's a franchise quarterback. Right. He's middle of the tier. He doesn't deserve the top money. But quarterbacks nowadays are getting that top money. And it's just hard to distinguish um, talent from pedigree from all of that. It's a bunch of surrounding factors that goes into, like you said, each and every contract is different. Yeah, I just find it so easy as as sports fans or, or whatever it may be to look at one person's contract and just be like, oh, well, that's that's the comp. Like you can just... That, that's what they're making. This is what you should be making based off of their contract. And it's like, like it doesn't necessarily work because teams are in so many different places when it comes to personnel, when it comes to, um, I guess, the direction. Like, there's just so many different ways that the teams can look at it. I think the one similarity is that Dallas and the Rams are both looking and trending in the same direction. Yeah. But when it comes to committing to a quarterback, like, I don't... I, I don't know if anything's necessarily going to change. I, I don't think you can base what Dak's going to make based off of what Goff's going to make. I mean, you could very well in Dallas have a core of Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, and Zeke Elliott making top five money at their positions. Mm-hmm. Very well could. Mm-hmm. They're all asking for it. Mm-hmm. And they very well, Jerry Jones could bite the bullet like he did with Zeke and just give them what they want. We'll have right. to wait and see. You're right. Um, we talked about Melvin Gordon quickly. Mm-hmm. Did you see this rumor on Twitter today? Melvin Gordon for Jordan Howard out of Philly, a straight-up one-for-one trade that yeah. got denied, supposedly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that could be interesting. If you're an Eagles fan, like uh, Mr. Steve Ball upstairs, I've been talking to him a lot, having Melvin Gordon potentially on your roster? Yeah, like it's fair to say Melvin Gordon has much more upside than Jordan Howard, right? Absolutely. So why would why would the Chargers want Jordan Howard? That's probably why it was declined. <laughs> right. But, I mean, it's a body... But I guess they have two capable bodies in Eckler and Justin Jackson. I guess to yeah, take the spot. Yeah, like sure, it's a body, but I mean, they still understand the value of the player, and they're not just going to move them for the sake of moving them. Unless they don't expect this, like this whole scenario has caused a friction too large to recover from. If you're a well, Chargers front if office, if that's the case, you're not moving them for Jordan Howard. Like I'm sorry, like <laughs> Melvin Gordon is still a top flight running back. Yeah, and you're not going to move him for for Jordan Howard. Like it's just, I I have no idea where that came from or how it started. Yeah, I wonder who reached out, like, who reached out to who. Probably Philly reached out and said, "Hey, we'll take them off. We'll take him off your hands for you." Well, sure, and I mean, you know, every team's probably called about Melvin Gordon already, and they've said, "What's the, what's the asking price?" This and that. I I didn't see where the quote came from about the Howard for Melvin Gordon trade, but I mean, uh, it's obviously not a thing. Nope. Obviously. Until we see it uh, with Adam Schefter or one of those big-time insiders. We will wait to see on that. Okay, quick uh, quick NFL questions going into the season. I wrote a couple of them down. I know you've been a busy guy. Yeah. Didn't get around to any of your own. Do you want to start with one of my <laughs> my pre-made questions for yeah. the NFL season going on? Well, we can just up? kind of, we can fly through these quick. Let's do There's it. There's nine of them. First one, are the Browns for real? You answer. I, I think they it. are. Okay. I think the talent they have stockpiled... Um, 
it's only a matter of time before somebody hits. You got Baker, you added OBJ, you got Nick Chubb, who looks amazing. Yep. Uh, Jarvis Landry is a depth receiver. Yep. You got Miles Garrett on the defensive line. You got uh, your top fight, Denzel Ward, excuse me, cornerback. Like, yep. They got some talent. And I think if they don't prove it this year in a division that is kind of up in the air, yep. we'll, have to, we'll never know, really. To me, they're just the Cleveland Browns, and I can't get over that. Okay. I, I can't believe that they're going to be good until they're actually good. It's very true. So till then, I'm just going to wait for them to prove me wrong. So I say no. What are the expectations on Kyler Murray? I drafted him in my fantasy draft. Yep. Uh, with the expectation that he could be a game breaker fantasy wise. Now, as a team and as a statistical wise, could be so. It could be a really rough year in Arizona. I would expect it to be. I think everyone there expects it to be kind of an ugly year. New head coach. Um, you go. David Johnson is a terrific player and a great asset. Mm-hmm. You got a, a definitely aging Larry Fitzgerald. You got a young receiver in Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. A couple rookies on that roster. Not a lot of talent surrounding um, Kyler Murray. Excuse me to kind of build on his rookie season. I don't know what to expect. No, but I guess the job of a really good quarterback is to turn those guys that don't look like much into great players. And yes. so, who knows? Maybe Christian Kirk becomes like a top ten wideout by the end of the season. Because of Kyler Murray, it's it's hard to say, um, but yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, it makes sense if you're in a league where you get more points for rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns because you have to assume Kyler's going to be able to run in for a few. So the talent that he displayed in Oklahoma um, in terms of rushing as a quarterback rivals only Michael Vick. Yep. So if you think about that as a fantasy player, could be huge dividends, high risk, high reward. Uh, hopefully he he pulls through at least for my fantasy team. Uh, you go. Um, three. Where were we at here? Number three. three. Okay. Uh, what will Mahomes do in year two? Oh boy. I, who knows? I mean, you the, <laughs> is the sky the limit for this kid? Basically, right? Yeah. That's what. That's the ta- what the assumption is. Like, I don't know what he could do that people would say that's a good year, like a satisfiable year. If he declines even five or ten percent off of the stats he put up last year. Still an amazing year. He finished as the quarterback one in fantasy by over 60, 70 points, clear right. of everybody. Right. He decreased that a little bit, throws 45 touchdowns instead of 50. <laughs> you still have Tyreek Evans, or it's Tyreek Hill, excuse me. You still have Travis Kelsey. Yep. You got Damian Williams, who the running back's a little bit question mark because he's never been able to carry a full load. Well, and they got LaShawn McCoy now, didn't they? Okay, let's be honest. Shady McCoy, is that going to turn the dial on Nobody's anybody? he's probably he going to take touches. Away from Darwin yeah. Thompson as the who's really been highly scouted as the third round yeah. pick. He could be he could be a next cream hunt. Exactly. Without all the kicking stuff. <laughs> yeah. Without the kicking. Without the things. kicking. Um that offense is incredible. Sammy Watkins on the other side, boomer bus wide receiver. Yeah. I think he there, I think there's some regression, but if you're dropping five, ten percent, you still got a highly potent offense that defense can keep up. They could be number one in the AFC. Yeah, I and agree. be going to the Super Bowl in February. I agree. Uh, we kind of mentioned is Todd Gurley done? You think so? I, I think that he. I think he still has a bit to give. Like I have a hard time believing a guy like that's done. I, I, I it's just hard for me to fathom that a guy falls that fast. He was amazing last year. Until amazing the, until like the end of the season, right? But I mean. Arthritis kicks you in the ass. It doesn't matter when no. it when it sets in. Like no. you don't have to be old anymore <laughs> to have arthritis. These athletes, and the, he's had ACL injuries in, back in college. Mm-hmm. And when you have something like that, it can just pop up at any time. It could crush you for a three week period, and then you come back and you're great. You feel amazing. Yeah, it's so hit or miss. And if that's exactly what it is, is arthritis, as we've been told, all off season they were declaring it as something 
different. Like right. there was a minor knee, there was a scope, there was arthritis, so many different diagnoses. I don't know. It scares me. I, I didn't take him for that reason. And no. he's a fr- fantastic player on a great offense. Yeah. That could put up points. In I hurry. wouldn't I wouldn't take him on, on a fantasy team either. I didn't, but it's still just hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that a guy like that in like eighteen months is just falling off the earth completely. I think there's got to be something there. I think if anything is known, his workload has to be d- dialed back from yep. last year. Yep. So there's opportunity, like you said, for Darrell Henderson in the backfield, maybe a Malcolm Brown. Uh, opportunity, opportunities are plenty. Number five, is it going to be a bounce back year for Jacksonville Jaguars with Nick Foles at the helm? Is that defense going to return to the form they were in 2017? I mean, they still have Ramsey. They do? So, they, they just got, uh, I don't know if they had Ngakwe. I know he was holding out for a contract. Right. I'm not sure where he's at. Uh, you got Calais Campbell, big man, defensive tackle. That defense is set to be good. And if you have a, a just a, a game manager, even in Nick Foles, to uh, to pass around the ball to D.D. Westbrook and maybe Marquise Lee. Well, that Le- was the big thing, right, was that they just didn't, like their defense kind of let them down last year. That was the surprising part of it because their defense was so highly touted from the year before. Yes. I uh, I don't think their defense changed that much. They still have A.J. Bouye. Bouye in, in the corner. There. Yeah, so I mean, they still have some guys. So I, I would think they are a little bit better. I just don't know if their offense is there yet. But. Do you think they're a playoff team? In the AFC. Uh, tough AFC. Very tough AFC this year. I would say no. Outside looking in. Maybe a 7-9 and nine record. 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah, yeah. Probably. I, I would say 500. Nick Foles is kind of a 500 quarterback. Except, except in the playoffs. He's, yeah. He, he's, sure. big, he's big dick Nick for a reason. Mm-hmm. In the playoffs. Um, number six. Does Gronk return? And if he doesn't, how will the New England Patriots look without him? Uh, they'll line? look a hell of a lot different. Totally. If he's not there. It's if, a big weapon gone. Yeah, I mean, obviously for different circumstances, but they had both him and Aaron Hernandez once upon a time, and that was, pardon the pun, not really a pun, but kind of a lethal combination. <laughs> but like, when you look at the two of them, not I, felt funny. Ba- I felt bad That's say. not funny. No. I, I apologize. Um, but they really were that good. Like, they were, they were just incredible. And then when it was just Gronk, he was still able to carry some of the load, but he, you saw the deterioration come. Um, but he was still like a really effective pass blocker. And so if they're able to even just supplement the pass blocking ability and keep Tom Brady standing upright, I don't know that the the hit is huge because Tom Brady's made a career out of taking random guys and winning games. I think it's no secret that the New England offense is going now towards a more run-heavy offense, protecting Brady, quick handoffs. Uh, the the passes that they do have, yep. you got Edelman still. Uh, you got Josh Gordon, who's now reinstated, so a, a potential deep threat if he can keep his head on straight. Uh, they drafted Nikhil Henry, even though he's on the IR. So there's a little, a few weapons on the outside. They drafted a running back. You got James White in there. You got Rex Burkhead. Uh, Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle, who really came on last year. Yep. Uh, if he can't, you know, his knees though. They worry yeah. me. Like, he's twisting all around. He's getting tackled, and it's just body contorting yeah. everywhere. Yeah. He scares me this year, although he's a great talent. Um, the talent is there, and when you have Brady and Belichick, you can't bet against them. You right? just can't until exactly. they until they prove you. Kind of like the, the Cleveland Browns of opposite. Yeah, yeah. like Totally opposite. They, we, we just assume they're going to be good until they're not. Exactly. Uh, who's first to play in the NFL again, Alex Smith or Colin Kaepernick? This one was interesting when I looked it up. Um, I mean... I still think Colin Kaepernick never plays a snap in this league nope. because of everything that's gone down. Yep. I don't think that Alex Smith plays a snap in this league either again. 
Probably not. So I, I guess the answer is nil because the answer is the answer is Alex Smith. <laughs> Default. Yeah, because there's no way there there's no way Colin Kaepernick gets back in the league. Although it's weird that Jay Z and Rock like Rock Nation like signed up with the NFL for a bunch of sponsorship gigs and, and partnership opportunities. And apparently Jay Z told nothing about this to Colin Kaepernick. That's weird. When he, when Jay Z at some point in the past was standing up for Kaepernick and what he was standing yeah, for. Yeah, as far as like six months ago. A quick heel turn, basically. Yeah, well, yeah. In, in a way. What's his line? Uh, I'm not I'm a, a bu- business man. Yeah, I'm not Uh-oh. a businessman. I'm, I'm a, a businessman. Business man. Yeah, like, uh, it, it's I one screwed of those that up. I apologize to all bit. you rap fans. Yeah, you're clearly, oh, clearly a big rap fan. I'm in it for real. <laughs> <laughs> will, New, will New England be Sorry? the first team? Hold on, I'm in it for real. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Fuck. Uh, will New England be the first team to win back-to-back Super Bowls in 15 years? No. Is that are they your Super Bowl favorite? No. 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 We'll get to that at the end. They're we'll, not going to win. Okay. I would mind oh. you. It's again. It's hard to bet against them. So sure. No, I'm saying no. I say there's a new king out of the AFC, and we'll talk about that in just a quick second. Last one. A team that's going to jump into a playoff spot. I don't have the playoff standings from last year in wow. front of me. Good prep, Colby. Is there a team that um, has drafted well or signed some key free agents that you think Ooh. can improve from year-to-year basis? Like I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. It's interesting. So you want a team that is going to get in this year that was out last year. Yes. And a team that is going to get in or fall out this year that was in last year. Yeah, some regression might happen and they might it's fall very out. Very interesting. Very curious. I know um, you, what do you got up there? I would think the the popular pick for a team that gets in is the Cleveland Browns. I think a lot of people assume that Cleveland will get in. That's I'm a good pick. Not necessarily there. But uh, do you think? I think the obvious pick for the team that's going out also in the AFC is probably the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Do you think Indy drops? Yeah. <laughs> Even with Joe Kobe Brissett at the helm? Yeah. Okay. So there so maybe that that's an easy uh adding by subtraction yes. right there. Yes. Um a team that was out last year that gets back in, I say the Carolina Panthers. If Cam's th- healthy. Yeah, I think the Panthers find their way back into um the the playoff picture somewhat. Um the Packers are another one that comes to mind because they just had an abysmal season. They did. I forgot they were even out of the playoffs. I just, right. I just don't know if their defense can keep up. Like that, that. This is why I took a bunch of Packers this season in fantasy football, because I think every game the Pack play is going to be high scoring. Well, that's all the talk of the offseason was the new head coach, the new offensive scheme. Mike McCarthy was out, his boring bullshit, yeah. letting uh, Rodgers and Adams and Jones go nuts, potentially. Right. Uh, in this new offense, you're right, but there was really no talk on the defense. I guess they've made some uh, low-key good signings, kind of mid-range players to kind of substitute holes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That might be prove mm-hmm. beneficial, but who knows? You're yeah. right. Uh, yeah, I would we'll say see tomorrow. We'll see tomorrow. Yeah, true. My yeah, my bet would be the the Panthers. I think they're too talented to not be in a playoff spot of some kind. I don't know if they necessarily win the NFC South. Because last time I checked, they still have the Saints and Falcons to play against, and maybe even the Bucks if they're half decent. Yeah, like that could be an interesting division this year, just because I think all four of those teams have uh, fairly high expectations for themselves. Like even the Bucks, to the point like they they think this that year they're going to be competitive. Too, that offense could be really good. Yeah, without a running game, they're going to be high flying, and Bruce Arians is going to install even more life into Jameis Winston as a quarterback. That's the thing, right? Because with Arians there, that's why a lot of people are excited about him. So. I don't know. Yeah, my pick would be Carolina, though, and then coming out, I don't know, probably the Colts. 
There you go. Yeah, easy stance alert. Way to go. Uh, quickly, NBA slash Canada basketball. Canada basketball failed to qualify for the Olympics. They yep. lost to both Australia and Lithuania. Early morning basketball. I did not watch. Nope. I'm a they fan of Canada basketball. Some trash streaming service. Although I'm going to be using that trash streaming service to watch tomorrow's game. So oh my god. I'm not going to make mention of it, but I'm going to use that. Um, Why? Because I don't have cable television. Oh. So that's also a problem. You don't have like... Red Zone? That's what I use. I so that's stream you Red on Zone Sundays? on said streaming service. Oh, yeah. So, that's okay. If, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, fault, then. Canada, so they lose. They have to now go into a last chance qualifier next summer if they win these last remaining few games yeah. in Australia yeah. just to qualify for this chance to qualify for next year. Very confusing, yeah. but they blew a really good opportunity. Who's at fault here? Is it management? And the fact that they can't get these players to come overseas for five weeks and do this, or is it on the players themselves if they were healthy to just show up and represent? Well, part of it feels like it's on Rowan Barrett because he took over the program and made all these promises about how he was going to get guys to show up and they never did. But at the end of the day, it falls at the feet of the players who didn't go. And I'm not talking about the Kelly Olynyk of the world who no. couldn't go. I'm talking about the ones who looked at the opportunity and said, "Now nah, I'm good." Fucking like, Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. They, well, there's what I think 17. Canadian NBA players and two of them went. That's right. Like Kem Birch and Corey Joseph. The lowest percentage of yeah. NBA eligible players in the tournament by far. Yeah. It was just... Very uh, disappointing. I, I had my hopes that they would find a way just because they had found a way up into this point of getting like into pretty favorable spots. Yeah. And it all just kind of disintegrated in two games. Like literally the, the entire plan. Because yeah. if they send those guys... Like there was talks of them being in medal contention with the team that they should have took. This this team has the talent to win medals. I have no doubt in my mind. If everyone or most show up, they only needed, let's be honest, they needed like three or four to show up. Yep. And I think they could have gotten out of this top seven and then qualified, and then this would have been easy breezy. Like Rowan Barrett couldn't even get his own kid to go. That's right. RJ like, Barrett are we talking about here, right? picks up an injury. He played in camp. Yeah. With said injury, I guess, and then decide, no, I'm good. It's just frustrating. Frustrating because <clears throat> I really wanted to get on, like, really get on board with Canada basketball. It's been at such a high this past 12 months. Well, yeah, I mean, if you want Since Kawhi to Kawhi yeah. signed, right? Like, got traded. Yeah, if you want to take it to the Raptors, like, yeah, there was a lot of build, but, like, it's just, it's hard for me to invest any kind of real... I guess time and emotion into it. Hard for me to really get into it when the players who are there aren't even or are supposed to be there aren't even getting into it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're, they're, how am I supposed to get invested if the players who have an opportunity to represent Canada don't even want to get into it? So I don't. I don't know what needs to change. I know there's a lot of different factors that play into it all. There's a lot of it's, behind the scenes things and how people get paid and what players should get paid to go to you know, Canada basketball events and, and how much they actually do or don't get paid. I, I don't know. There's there's a bunch of things that I fully don't have a grasp on, um, but something needs to change, it's obviously. A, absolutely. It's, it's a little bit of blame on everybody. Like you said, there's so many different entities involved uh, between agents, between sponsors, FIBA themselves, the NBA, yeah. agents. It's just, it's overwhelming and it's unfortunate and hopefully... It's just frustrating because... We it's can like do better had, as a nation. They had such a good t uh, opportunity to put themselves into an Olympic berth with this tournament. And really, it, it's like, I mean, they, they're going to have to win out basically in order to get into this last chance 
tournament next year to play their way in. Like, it's very possible they can't even get themselves into the playoffs or in, not the playoffs, into the Olympics. And this is a team that both some of the top up-and-coming NBA players. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, it'd be you know? completely de- devastating to this uh, program if they failed to even get into this last But then chance. again, props to the guys who showed up that yeah. are putting the effort in. We're never going to uh, crap, crap on those guys because no. they put in a hell of an effort and it's no blame on them. Uh, switching to hockey now, NHL, Clayton Keller escapes the RFA free agency. Hell, he's seen what's going on this year. Good for him. And he's like, I need to sign. He signs today a eight-year, $57.2 million deal, which averages about seven point one five a year. Uh, good signing by Arizona? Yeah. I would say so. He's one of the game's more electric players, but it's just hard for him to get anything going. Last year was a down year. His rookie year was good. Yes. And then last year was a down year for him, but I mean, he wasn't really playing with anybody, and that's kind of how it goes in Arizona. Um, I don't know if Phil Kessel being there this year had any kind of, uh, I guess, push into him signing this deal. Probably not just because it's so long term, but, uh, but no, it's a good signing. Like You're getting a guy who can, I think, on the right team in the right situation be a point per game player yeah the kids the kids good and so to get him at just over seven mil in a league where i mean point per game players want 13 mil a year Mm -hmm. like that that's that's a very very nice deal that i I think is going to look real good in in, if not this year in about two or three that's gonna i believe don't quote me i think it's going to take him to at least a year of uh ufa Free, uh, free agency eligibility. I yeah. think he's like mid, well, he's like 21, 22, so eight years takes him into his late 20s. That's a it really should, good yeah. deal. So yeah. I, I agree with that. Looks real good. Uh, I don't know. I think Kessel's only signed for this one more year. Yeah, I honestly have no idea. I so, just don't want to throw in the fact that Phil Kessel But, I mean, Arizona. that could be a great landing spot uh, if you're in a fantasy draft to get Keller as a, as a line mate. He's never played with a guy like like a Kessel can put the puck in the net. so Yeah, well, yeah, very yeah. Sneaky. And Keller's pass first. Like, that's the thing. Keller's yeah. a playmaker through and through, so it would be interesting if he gets paired up with uh, with Phil Kessel. I'm just looking right now. He still has this in two more years. Oh, okay, I lied. So that's actually not a bad uh, pairing now for at least two or three more seasons. For, yeah, this and the next two. Like, that's that could be pretty decent, to be honest. I mean, Arizona, they keep stockpiling this young talent, kind of like the Cleveland Browns. When are they going to pay off and when they're going to kind of shoot through all this bull crap that's been going down there. Yeah. And actually, uh, they can start competing. I mean, last year was tough for them because they lost anti-Ranta early. The goalie, and yeah. And Ranta, two years ago, was one of the top goalies in the league. Again, mm-hmm. you wouldn't know it because he plays in Arizona. But uh, they they got they got a couple guys. I don't know if they have many guys, but they yeah. they have a couple. They'll be Down the pipeline, though, there's, there's, some, there's some talent there. They have a few um, guys at least, yeah. Speaking of talent, Connor McDavid, the overall number one player you'd probably think in the world at the moment. He may not be ready for the season opener. That knee, there's still no timeline for a return right. after he injured himself in the last game of the regular season. Right. And uh, they're very quiet. Him and his agent are both uh, saying, we got a month left. We're going to be keep training and uh, it, we're hopeful for opening night. I I don't know. I read that and I don't feel very confident in uh, in him being ready for opening night. Even if he misses a week, I, I still don't think he's going to be ready. Yeah, it was crazy seeing him make public appearances over the summer still with a massive brace on his knee. Like, that's... Because he's he's fairly far removed from the the injury occurring. That was April. Like, I mean, I get it. Every, every injury is different. Everyone's body heals differently. I get that. But, I mean, on average, you would have expected by the summer that he would have at least been off the brace but uh, it's not a good sign. I mean, at the same time, there's 
there's never a situation unless it's Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final where you're rushing back. Connor no, David, right? Not not in any universe. Do you remember though at when the injury happened against the Flames there in that last game? He turned to the bench and says, "I I tore it or I broke it." Like he made an an yeah. obvious. He, he ended good. up not breaking it, or so we've been told that knee or tear, whatever the was, but he he was visibly uh, concerned and scared for what it could have been. Yeah, he knew it wasn't good, um, but that they're just going to take their time. Like I said, there's no need to rush back a guy like McDavid, even if you're the Oilers, um, where it feels like every year is a win-now year. Yes, so. they can't waste this prime. Like He's not even in prime, that's the thing. That's the scary thing. That is the scary thing. It's a scary thing for Oilers fans, too, because they might not... Depending on how things go, they might not get to see the prime of Connor McDavid. That would be, no, that would not be sad to see as a Flames fan. I would. A lot of people say I that. I would love to get him out of the division because I, I mean, every time he touches the puck, yep, I'm scared. Yep, yeah, everyone concerned. In, everyone in the division feels the same way. Yeah. But it's just like, like I couldn't imagine being the team that l- didn't keep Gretzky or McDavid. Through their careers, like it's just that's so hard to fathom. Mm-hmm. That is so hard to just like let that soak in. Like you'd be the team that moved off of Gretzky and McDavid. Yeah, and Edmonton had both of them. That's Has, that's, that's had or had. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Very interesting to see how he progresses in his recovery. Uh, finally, Nick Cronwall retires after 15 seasons in Detroit. As a he was back with with Lidstrom. Like they were both mm-hmm. the the Swedish defenseman kind of pairing up. I know Lidstrom's been gone for a few years, but uh, a yeah. big hitter. I was watching a YouTube video or a, a Twitter video mm-hmm. of all the big hits he laid on that left side. He was uh, never a big guy either. No, no, but he he knew how to throw him. Oh, God. And uh, very consistent, productive career for Nick Cronwall. So they keep producing those defensemen out in, uh, in Detroit. Yep, very Not so much steady. lately, but uh, back in the day, they were really producing them. Yeah, very steady. Good career. Good for him. Uh, I guess also on the retirement front, not so much a retirement, but Justin Williams announces he's taking a step back, step back, excuse me, from uh, the game of hockey. He's not going to be on the opening roster come the season. Uh, not a retirement per se, but... He opened himself up for a chance to maybe join a team in contention later down the road, and maybe after just, the trade deadline. Yeah, just wait till midseason. Kind of just sign sneak a in, yeah, sign a, an, a one-year, one-mil kind of deal, and uh, maybe help a contender out for Mister Game Seven. So maybe. I guess whatever works for him, it's his life, man. Yeah, he's put a lot of years in, so whatever he wants to do, he's old as balls. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, he's what in hockey terms? He's what high? He's thirty-eight. Oh yeah, probably? he's pretty old. But I mean, like, he's not old as balls. Like <laughs> Justin Williams can still play. That's hey, the thing. He put up twenty-three goals last year. Like he's he's still he can still be a productive guy in the right situation. He's yeah, somewhat like 37, 38 now. Also sticking on the ice, uh, Messinat Tigers. They announced their leadership group uh, mid last week. Yep. Captain James Hamlin returns for a second tour of duty. You love that fucking saying. Second tour of duty? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Captain Hamlin I, returns for a second tour of duty oh. on the gridiron. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Gonna head to the ice. I, I do. Check out the puck. He's back. Captain Hamlin returning to duty. Aye, <laughs> aye, Captain. Aye, aye. How you doing, Captain? I know. I mean, you, you've you dealt with him more personally. He, he's a salt of the earth guy, though. Oh, yeah, I love James Hamlin. You can't say anything bad about him. No, literally couldn't say one bad thing. He returns alongside Ryan Chazowski, Brian Lochner, and Tyler Prezuzo. All yep. as A's uh, on the sweaters. Now, does this potentially give a sign that both Hamlin and Prezuzo as overages probably make the team after yes. the cuts? 
Yes. Pretty pretty straightforward. Yes. Now I, I you keep saying it in multiple episodes, but who are the other guys that are on the bubble? Uh, Hayden Oster and okay. Logan Christensen. Okay, so, so I guess it's both forwards. So one of the two of them has to move out, and it was just interesting to see over their training camp last weekend. Uh, they were on the same scrimmage team together. They they were like almost like part and parcel with one another. Whenever I saw <clears throat> whenever I saw them out. On the uh, on the concourse of the Canal Center, they were usually not too far from one another. So I think they've been uh, chatting a lot over the past little bit. I think they they both kind of understand how things are. Um, Coaches are probably using that time to kind of make their decisions. You think early yeah, on, oh yeah. even this early, like which one kind of fits our team going into nineteen twenty? Yeah, because they they can both offer similar yet different things. It's it's just super interesting to see from a uh, from a lineup standpoint how they want to go about it, but. I mean, they're they're gonna have to make a decision at some point whether they move one, move the other, or move both. They gotta they gotta make some kind of decision at some point, right? Maybe they're one of those teams that ship out a uh, an overage and bring back an overage. Very well, they can't because then they would still have four. Maybe maybe a two for one trade. I, I don't even know. <laughs> well, I don't know that any. Teams I don't think can it's ever on. been happened, but yeah, yeah, I don't think any teams can take two. But I, I know what you're trying to say. I get that. For I feel sure. what you're trying. Um, the preseason starts officially tonight. Yeah, yep. Irvin yep. playing this with current Broncos. Yep. Um, yeah, not much to say really. They signed a bunch of rookies as well. They did. Uh, I think three I- in the last two days. Teague Patton, Tyler McKenzie, and Henry Smith have all inked their entry level deals. They so. all looked pretty good in camp too. Did they? Yeah. Teague Patton, I think, scored a couple times. Uh, I only saw a little bit of McKenzie and Henry Smith. Um, looks like he could be a steady defenseman. Okay. Depending, like we'll see how he how he develops in the next couple of years. But no, those are some good signings, good players to uh, to bring in now and and see how they develop down the road. If I'm, I know, uh, I know the the team's excited about all three of them. If I'm not mistaken, I believe the team that won the inter squad little tournament um, had didn't have a lot of uh, you know like current tigers, a lot of prospects that kind of took. Funny enough, it was uh, Christensen and Oster's team. Or was it that team? Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. so outside <laughs> of those guys, but like I know some. I feel like most teams had three, maybe four. Uh, you know, current Tigers on it, and then you know you got your goalies with Sogard and Bjorklund. Uh, but then the other two teams featured goalies that I never even heard of. Right, uh, uh, but they they outclassed, and I guess they outplayed as a team together, which is good to see. One goalie that stood out and. Uh, <laughs> we were. I, I was talking to a couple people uh, that I know with the Tigers, and we were kind of having a good time with it back and forth. But part of it was was just joking around some of the things we say. But at the same time, Beckett Lankow is his name. Yeah, I think he's nephew from Damon, Damon Lankow. Oh, is he a I nephew? Think he's a nephew. No way. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's how it was. In any case, uh, Beckett Lankow looked legit. The like the kid was good. Awesome. It was. Uh, it was very, very impressive to see Beckett Lankow's performance. I believe he's in 03. Okay. I think that's a year younger than Bjorklund. I could be wrong on oh, that. Oh, wow. But I think he's a year younger than Garen Bjorklund. In any case, yep. he's made main camp. He's going to be playing in a couple of these preseason games. Oh, uh, good for him. Okay. Beckett Lankow is, like, he legitimately could be a dude. Like, he's he's a little bit shorter I mean, he's obviously much shorter than Mads, but a little bit shorter. <laughs> Everyone is, though. Yeah. Look to be a little bit smaller than your average goalie. Okay. But... Like positionally to reflexes and just the way he thought the game, the way he was communicating, it was actually he he was one guy that really stood out to me from camp. So that's amazing. He could be a guy that that the uh, Tigers could lean on down the road. Have a gem 
in yeah. their back pocket uh, years down the road. That's a great, great uh, shout out to Beckett Lankow. That's awesome. Um, finally, I guess, well, I mean, the regular season for the Tigers kicks off in just a couple weeks. The right. home and home with Lethbridge. Uh, I'm going to try to go to that game. I think, are you going to be? I'll work- be working. Yeah, you'll be working. So that's Probably. awesome. Um, the, yeah, I'm looking forward to the season. It's going to be, what, what, are we going to get into it? Like, what are we expecting for this Tiger season? I know it's a lot of uh, young faces, especially on that D line. Uh, yep. And Mads may have to stand on his head once again in a full season because he didn't really come on until midway through, I believe, last year. He wasn't the starter because Hollett was there. Yeah, they kind of split early on. Then. Yeah, and then he kind of took over well, full time. They, yeah, they kind of even split towards the end, to be honest. But okay, and then okay, well, and then I'm and wrong. then Hollett, no Hollett just didn't really get much looks towards the end of the season. It seemed like Mads in the last like eighth of the season really yeah. kind of took it over. Uh, but yeah, they, they their defense is going to be. Well, as of right now, uh, younger for sure. Definitely uh, something that I'm, I'm thinking they want to shore up if they can somewhere. I don't know if they use one of the overages to try and fill that need. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw Damon Adjuman is one of the young defensemen. He was uh, a part of the team last year. Didn't play in a whole lot of games, yeah. but he was at camp and uh, he's actually playing tonight in uh, in Irvin. So he'll be back. Daniel Baker, who's a 2001 born, by the way. Uh, if you hear any years thrown out, 99 is overage this year. Okay. So uh, that, that's 20 year olds born in 99. Um, Crazy. Trevor Longo. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Longo will be back again. He's a 2000. Um, the other 2000 on the blue line will be Cole Clayton. Okay. So they'll be leaned so on Cowboy, pretty heavy. Yeah. They'll be, yeah, they'll be leaned on pretty heavily until. Uh, until if they they bring somebody in from another team, Eric Van Imp will be back again. I would assume uh, he's a 2001 born. So I mean, right there you have one, two, uh, three, four, what five defensemen already. But none of them are overages. Two of them are 19. The rest are 18 or younger. So and you got to think with uh, with Willie coming in, I think more of a defensive structure is probably in place as well. Oh, well, it's a, it's a team mindset. Like yeah, it's definitely, not necessarily. Yeah. Like like Willie's always been a guy, and uh, I mean, you just got to look back to when he was with um, the Tigers the first time back in the arena. They always ran four lines. They always ran three D pairings, and almost irregardless of the time left on the clock, unless it really got down to it, mm-hmm. you were rolling four and you were rolling six defensemen. And yeah. So there's sure going to be these different situations that they get put in. Yeah. But for the most part, I think uh, you're going to see a lot of everyone. And then when you get kind of down to crunch time, you'll start leaning on whoever your veterans may be or whoever the the top pairings are that you kind of piece together. Because no one really knows what the pairings are going to look like. The the thought no. is that the thoughts that Longo and Clayton are going to be paired just because a they're the two oldest guys and b they are opposite shots. That would make more sense, right? Yeah, but I mean, you never know what pairings could come about and what guys might feel more comfortable one side or the other. So the one thing I caught on with a ton with. Uh, Sean Clouston's power play is that big shot from the point. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't see a big shot on this team. Maybe a, a Cowboy mm-hmm. can provide that big. Uh, then again, maybe uh, with, with Willie's power play, it's not uh, sent around that big point shot. But for years, it was Quenville from the point, mm-hmm. and it was uh, Jevney from the point trying to find that shooter that could set him up in the slot. And, uh, well, I mean, I'm interested to see about this power play and how they use their defensemen. Uh, maybe they go a four forward, one defenseman kind of pair and kind of the new NHL maybe, type way. Maybe so. they do five forwards and no defensemen. That'd be very interesting. It's a real possibility. 
Wait, well, I guess we'll wait and see. From Couple weeks things, away. Yeah, things I've heard, it's a, it's okay. legitimately a possibility that, is, that, that they do five I've five forwards. Never heard about that. Interesting. Uh, me neither. I have no idea what that looks like. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea how you put five forwards on a power play unit, but I think it's it's being kicked around. I'm a little worried about the uh, the rush. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> coming back the other way. Yeah, yeah. That's it's. But it'll add a wrinkle. Let's put it that way. Finally, I guess we'll wrap up with. I mean, we'll have maybe we'll have some wrestling. If you got anything, I got nothing. Okay, sorry. We're gonna. Skip I have I literally have done no prep. Um, I came into the studio tonight and I was watching the end of the uh, Bianca and Drescu tennis match. Yeah. We never talk tennis, but no, we she, should talk more. She's been a huge story. Oh my god, this last year, and she's now secured her spot in the semifinal of the U.S. Open. Facing off against, a, I believe it's a German lady. Not sure what her. Uh, her it was name Elise is. Mertens, but I don't. Well, that was she today. Was. That was the one she was facing. But I think it's like starts with double B or something. Like who should be playing next or, round? Yes, Belinda Bencic. But, yeah, double B. There From you go. Switzerland. Oh, okay, I thought it was a German name. Nope, because I don't know my countries. <laughs> um, um, maybe, maybe, maybe she. Um, who's a bigger female athlete in the in Canadian right now? Is Brooke Henderson or Bianca Andreescu? That's one A, one B. Yeah, they're so big though, and it's, I mean, it's amazing for t- for Canada sports. It's yeah, amazing. probably right now Bianca just because of the time sensitivity and the recency bias of it all, and how Bianca's kind of really took over um, Canadian sport in the mm-hmm. past month. But yeah, like it, it's one A and one B between the two of them. Like they are both absolutely incredible, and like the the diff like with Brooke is when when Brooke Henderson goes into a tournament, there's a hundred plus other players that are in the field. And so if you finish like top like 10, just think of all the people that you had to beat to finish top 10 in golf. We we take that for granted a lot when we see golf tournaments. We think, "Oh, well these 5 6 people are probably going to win." But it's like at the same it's impressive just to finish top 10 when you consider the field and the size that you have to beat. Not to discredit what you have to do in a tennis match where every second day basically you're going out there and playing somebody new mm-hmm. and in Bianca's case anywhere from like 45 minutes to two hours tonight was over two hours yeah like it was a long match today there was a lot of long points humidity was in New York it's been very not great uh, tennis playing and on Arthur Ashe there's like no air yeah because it's all just like it just gets sucked right out with all the people it's basically like a semi-dome uh huh yeah there's there's like nothing to to bring airflow in Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's just the difference is that Bianca I guess gets this, the day in between, but then has to grind it out for two hours on all different kinds of surfaces, which is mind-blowing in itself. Right. The fact that there's like four different types of courts or three different types of courts or whatever. Um, but And then for Henderson, you can make an argument because she has so many different players to play against and beat every single week. So, yeah, it's just, to me, it's 1A, 1B. Like, I, I can't I can't decipher between the two of them. And for the the potential for Bianca to play... Um, over a two-week period, a longer stretch of time, whereas Henderson's playing a four-day weekend. Right. Uh, and, and, I mean, the TV ratings are... I mean, for the Canadian Open, TSN picked it up, and great ratings, yeah. and it was amazing to see. And with uh, TSN carrying the U.S. Open, I think every match of Bianca's has been record ratings for, for tennis well, on, the, on the female side. Like, outside of uh, Jeannie Bouchard when she was in Wimbledon, like, a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got to be huge. You hope that it, you don't experience a, a down like Jeannie had because that was a, a, unfortunate as a as a Canadian tennis fan. But yeah, we, things have gone very bad. Yeah, things have gotten far from good with, with Jeannie Bouchard. But but Bianca's nineteen; she's got a lot more ahead of her, and we're looking forward to seeing her down the road. Hopefully, she can advance past double B there. Yeah, and uh, Belinda. 
and you know you could be facing Serena for the second time in a in a final <laughs> matchup. Hopefully, That'd be interesting. I, I want to see a good. I want to see a full potential three set match with uh, just with just Serena because and Bianca. how it went with Bianca and her uh, her round of sixteen match back on Monday against Taylor Townsend. Like the crowd was nuts mm-hmm. and was on Bianca from like first point because. Mm-hmm. I mean, Townsend's American. So when you bring in Serena versus Bianca again and then add the factor of the American crowd backing Serena, that would be a lot uh, that, that Bianca would have to deal with. But uh, it would make for great tennis. But, I mean, she has to get through, I guess, what, it would be tomorrow? Yeah. The next day, Thursday, I Thursday, right? Yeah. Thursday, yeah. So we're recording this on Wednesday night. Um, her, her next semifinal match will be on Thursday with the final going Saturday. So... Uh, we're all gonna be watching. If she makes it, I'm gonna be setting time for that on Saturday. Yeah, if I'm be, not if I'm not working, I, I'll be making some it's time. Kind of for annoying that. that she plays again tomorrow after playing three sets in like two plus hours tonight. Well, because yeah, I it's mean, kind of local annoying. time is probably it was nine thirty local New York time, and then she's got to get ready for yeah. When it wrapped that, up, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. it finished up over a twenty four hour time period. So uh, that's about gonna do it for us. Anything else you want to add? I'm looking no. forward to football tomorrow. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. It is going to be so much fun. I cannot wait for half my team to have their games played by the time tomorrow night wraps up. <laughs> that, that'll be wonderful. When, you'll, you'll, you'll have the lead. You'll yeah, have your fantasy lead. I would hope so. Man, that would be bad if I don't. Uh, minus five, potentially. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. You can find us on Twitter at OnTheBoardPod. And also find us, you've obviously been listening, uh, mm-hmm. through Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or I guess not iTunes, it's Apple Podcasts now. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, find us on the board. Thank you so much for joining us. Lance Dahl, Colby McKee, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to On The Board. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash OnTheBoardPodcast. Yes! Yes!